I'm Isabeau. And this is Romance. A podcast about romance novels. About cute cats. About finding oneself after a breakup. About invisible disabilities. About helpful and supportive families. About clown wig pubic hairs. About life-changing lists. But most of all, (laughs) romance novels. And ourselves. This week, we are going to discuss Get a Life, Chloe Brown. By Talia Hibbert. Love wasn't on her to-do list, dot, dot, dot. That's the kind of thing I think you would excel at writing. I also think that this is why one of my first ambitions as a teenager was to come up with the names for nail polish and lipstick. Uh-huh. I think I'm quippy. Who, who has this job? Like, does this the editor? Is this the designer? I think it's the designer of is the jacket. Is the author? Yeah, who does the cut, the little quote. Yeah. All right, I will read the back. Speaking of the designer, I think we should spend a little bit of time on this cover because uh, it we're is gonna spend some time on this a time. cartoon cover. And I think in reference to our cartoon conversation, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff has progressed Ooh. with the cartoon cover. Okay, here we go. Chloe Brown is a chronically ill computer geek with a goal, a plan, and a list. After almost, but not quite, dying, she's come up with seven directives to help her get a life, and she's already completed the first, finally moving out of her glamorous family's mansion. The next items? Enjoy a drunken night out, ride a motorcycle, go camping, have meaningless but thoroughly enjoyable sex... (laughs) Like, just pluck it from a tree. Neat. (laughs) Travel the world with nothing but hand luggage Mm. and do something bad. But it's not easy being bad even when you've written step-by-step guidelines on how to do it correctly. What Chloe needs is a teacher, and she knows just the man for the job. Redford Red Morgan is a handyman with tattoos, a motorcycle, and more sex appeal than 10,000 Hollywood heartthrobs. He's also an artist who paints at night and hides his work in the light of day, which Chloe knows because she spies on him occasionally just the teeniest, tiniest bit. But when she enlists Red in her mission to rebel, she learned things about him that no spy session could teach her, like why he clearly resents Chloe's wealthy background and why he never shows his art to anyone and what really lies beneath his rough exterior. It's nice to see that even when we have like a whole new movement of cover art in romance novels, the somehow even more sensationalist than the book itself back of the cover summary remains. True story. Cool thing about Talia Hibbert is that she started as self-published. I encountered her about four years ago online just as she was finishing her uni degree. She is indeed from the UK. Uh, (laughs) It says here, Black British author. Yeah, but she was almost entirely self-published up until this particular novel, so. And we got an Avon. Mm Mm-hmm. Run it with the big dogs now. (laughs) 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 Yeah, they snapped her up after they saw her sales on Amazon. She had like a super successful self-published book. Or she had a self-series. Yeah, it was by self-publishing standards, which I don't actually know how much money people make. I mean, she makes enough not to do anything else. The book that I read was about a neuro-non-typical, also coder-type gal with Cinnamon Bun Hero, which is very much like her bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon Bun Heroes and prickly to society heroines. Oh, wait, is Red a cinnamon? bun 
Yes. Okay. I See, I know what the word is. You do, because, and you know that he's a cinnamon bun immediately because the way that we're introduced to Red. Is it okay that we start with Red and then move to our heroine? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. I mean, I started it, so. So the way that we know <laughs> no! Red is a cinnamon bun is because the first scene that we see him in is he's unblocking a toilet from a little old lady whose grandsons are throwing her dinners down the toilet because they're casseroles because they're bricks. And then he has to tell her and then she's like they don't like my casserole and she gets all teary and then he's like no I'm sure your casserole's lovely it's really good I'll even eat some because he can't stand to see a woman cry and he's a caregiver and he thinks about other people's feelings more than his own typical cinnamon bun hero moves yeah I think that's kind of why I'm like ugh with the back cover because it's like underneath his rough exterior I don't think in like our current day and age men with tattoos and leather jackets are immediately considered tough guys. Right. It was ridiculous. He's (laughs) just the cuddliest bear alive. Okay, so Red, he had a brief moment in the sun, a successful artist in London. This book did raise some questions for me that it didn't necessarily answer, which is like, what is it to be a successful artist in today's world? I mean, like gallery showings are still happening and and being a part of like collectives is still happening. Mm -hmm. But I feel like so much more of like art is happening online. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Instagram accounts is figurative art. Mm-hmm. And so much of it is contemporary stuff that is just like lives in an Instagram account. You do a painting and then you put it on Instagram, which is something that comes up in the story as a way that someone who has been burned by the traditional arts community is able to find this like other avenue of self-promotion. Yeah. Anyways, that's him abusive ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he had an abusive... Stabbed him in the hand with a fork. Yeah. A socialite whose dad was a big mover and shaker in the London art scene, so then he had a crisis of confidence because she basically said, I made you. Um, No one's going to pay attention to you without me. Also, the idea of, like, your job as being a socialite, like, trust fund set. Yeah. Always very curious to me. Dream job. Yeah. And the way in which... Patron. Being a patron. The way in which Chloe both fought against that. Because she too is a trust fund set. She lived in this like ostentatious mansion in whatever suburb of London they're in. Like Norwich or... Yeah. It's like an actual town but... Can't remember what it... I feel like it's in the north. I feel like it's kind of far from London. Okay. But But still like... Maybe it's like the most relevant thing and if we understand stood it, everything in this book would click into place. It would be like fucking Suspiria. Perfect clarity, perfect breath, perfect sleep, because we understand. That would be (laughs) neat. I don't think that's true, though. If any of our UK listeners want to chime in, give us that perfect breath, perfect sleep. Yeah, what is the town that would be non-London that's better than London? But it's like not Manchester. It's a thousand percent not Manchester, and it's it's not not Newcastle. And it's not Newcastle. I think Can we name any Nor- more towns? I only know Norwich. Norwich, but Norwich and Suffolk Partridge. are both pretty close in the London ring. And I it's have not no part- fucking clue. And Talking it's not Oxford with me is not helpful for you. Or Cambridge. You're, you're it's not Cornwall or Wales. Tree. You're barking up the wrong tree with old Morgie Poo here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you've just exhausted everything that I know about England towns. I did nothing. I just sat here. It's not Lyme <laughs> or Bath. I'm pulling on all my Jane Austen right I'm now. I'm sure like if we had this on Kindle, we'd be able to search it. But. I feel like they don't actually mention the town. It's just far enough away from London. 
Anyways, far enough away from London. He's reclusive. He's trying to find himself again, so he's working as a super. In a cool building. In a cool building with cool people. Yeah, and Chloe is a trust fund baby. I like how you say that she's fighting against that because she does have her own, like, independent contractor business. I wouldn't say fighting so much as, like, shifting. Shifting away. Yeah, because, like, I don't think she's paying her rent with her contracting business yeah no no. I don't think so either especially because we only see her doing it in the context of offering it for free to a guy in exchange for motorcycle rides which Mm -hmm. isn't isn't gonna butter your bread Mm -mm. Uh, isn't even gonna buy your bread Mm -mm. which she doesn't seem to care about because money is of no object yeah which is my other dream job having money be no object yeah yeah that's a dream job somebody's gotta do it it's true Um, no more blue moons for me only shocked tops from here on out. That's right. That is right. <laughs> the roads are paved with shock top beer. And Oberon. <laughs> and Oberon. Is that what you were trying to get? Yeah. Yes. It's a little early in the season and also the pandemic's probably making it sell out. I went to the grocery store last night and I was expecting it. But it, it, I was like, you know what? I bet they'll be sold out of like bunker foods, like canned soups, dried pastas. But I bet they'll be like the same amount of fresh produce and dairy and meat. And I was right. But one thing that was sold out, kielbasa. (laughs) That's interesting. Way to go, Chicago. (laughs) Chicago, what do you say? Let's clear them out of kielbasa a day. Put it in your bunker. Mm. Wear it about your neck. Take bites out of it like a candy necklace. (laughs) Kielbasa. Chicago. Chicago. My kind of town. Okay. Okay. Trust Chloe. 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 Chloe is a part of the trust fund set. Chloe also has fibromyalgia. Mm-hmm. I started listening to the Learning the Tropes episode about this and heard Clayton stumbling through fibromyalgia. So I guess he didn't watch public television as a child. Do you remember those ads? Not only those ads, but also several episodes of Grey's Anatomy and like a bunch of other stuff where it's like, oh, it's a woman's disease or like. Oh, yeah. Everyone. Fibromyalgia is like a woman's disease is so interesting. It is. Unseen pain. Yeah. What was interesting to me about this is that she had a diagnosis and was medicated and did a lot of things for her pain management, but that we weren't seeing it through the eyes of a medical establishment not believing her. We were seeing it through the eyes of like her social circle not believing her. Yeah. And that was an interesting move because mostly fibromyalgia stories are about medical dismissal. Yeah. So that was different. Yeah. Maybe it's different in England with the NHS. They have excellent... It is. It's called the NHS. The National Health Service. Talk about not communicating heat. Jesus Christ. I was not expecting this to be... Even I, who know that, like, this is a marketing tool and is a no indication of what's actually inside the so book. So for those of you who haven't seen our social media and don't know, Chloe Brown has the cutesiest YA of cartoon covers. Oh, it's so YA. It is. There's a gentle kiss on the forehead. There's a kitty cat. There's a skirt. Cool glasses. She's not wearing one of her sweaters with the buttons sewn on the front, so it's not a real cardigan. It just has the look of the cardigan because mm-hmm. she can't always button her cardigans. This cover does not communicate the heat at all. Oh, no. This is a heated book. So I want you to picture two adorable little cartoon munchkins. and Who are uh, having a very gentle forehead kiss. A very gentle forehead kiss. You can start on the bottom of 268. All right. 
My desperate little angel Mm -hmm. losing it for me. He took his hand away and she whimpered. The sound turned into a moan when he finally pulled down her underwear. Oh, he said, and this. Without warning, his thick fingers slid through her folds. Her gasp was ragged, torn from somewhere deep inside her. The way he parted her was so intimate it should have been obscene. He spread her open and said, Your soft, wet cunt. Oh, Chloe. His thumb circled her clit just right. So right, she thought she'd fall to pieces, disappear in a shower of sparks, a fleeting surge of dangerous power. You're all swollen and slippery, and I... Yeah. Yes. I want you to picture a couple (laughs) little smurfs. (laughs) Fucking saying you're wet gun. You probably don't have to picture it. You can probably just go on to DeviantArt. Yeah. (laughs) But it's raw. It's like, you know, and I think we read stuff like that quite often, but not stuff like that in such twee packaging. Yeah. And that's exactly what this packaging is. It's so fucking twee. And like there are parts of this book that also feel very twee, very like Zoe Deschanel, like the sweater sets and like this like cinnamon bun here in general feel kind of twee. Yeah. But then to have something where it's like two thick fingers like pounding inside of your vagina. The other thing for me is that it looks very YA. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be like sexually repressed or anything and you know it varies from young reader to young reader but like an 11 year old reading that feels like very like a little much talking about slippery folds. It's very sex positive but even still I'm like 11 you maybe even haven't had your period yet. Yeah I think stumbling upon the mechanics of sex like that can be... This is not what I would give to an 11-year-old that I wanted to have a sex-positive conversation with. And it's a pretty common Google search if this book is appropriate for young people. So you know that they're, like, asking for it. Probably because aunts or whoever are looking at the cover and they're like, I have a precocious reader in my life. Yeah. And then they're like, this looks like something my 11 to 12-year-old niece or whoever might like. And it's like, ooh! And I know people are getting excited excited about it. Like Tessa Dare wrote, mm. well, someone wrote a thing about her re-releasing her books with cartoon covers and how excited she is for it to reach new audiences. But it all feels a little watermelon flavored vape to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually quite a good example of that. <laughs> Where it's like a company that sells e-cigarettes is like, oh no, it's for adults. It's a cessation of yeah. cigarette smoking. Then why do you have bubblegum and watermelon flavors? Yeah, like, yeah. I tell you what, a 36-year-old hardened bartender isn't doing the watermelon flavor to stop smoking. I mean, I bet there are lots of adults who love those Jolly Rancher flavors. Sure. Sure. I know there are lots of adults who love this specific cover. But it is kind of upsetting to me that something that looks this juvenile is less embarrassing to be reading on public transit than a clench cover. Yeah. It really speaks to sex negativity. Like, this is sex negative. Yeah. To kind of bury the lead, as it were, or to, you know, feel like this is socially acceptable compared to a clench cover. For such a sex-positive book to have such a Trojan horse cover feels really repressive. Yeah, exactly. It kind of undoes a lot of what's going on in the inside. And that was Isabeau and Morgan (laughs) re-updating you on how how we feel about cartoon covers. Not positively. Not positively. I think in this very recording session, we're going to have to go more in depth. So, you know, stay tuned for yet another conversation. I mean, we can't like stop talking about it. It's just too big of a deal. We can't stop talking about it now because now marketers are using it as a way to capitalize on the real money that exists in romance, grab that money 
and then try to also capture the quote unquote women's literature by doing it where it's like women's literature is basically romance isn't it and it's like no there are important differences that we need to talk about because like women's literature doesn't necessarily center a romance sometimes it doesn't even have one and so like this naked marketing ploy is doing potentially a disservice to the insides of books but also to a community so we're gonna keep talking about it but in terms of Chloe Brown this is an extremely explicit book please do not give it to your (laughs) prepubescence and if you do go in informed go in informed and you know it's not like anything adjacent happens no it's just like it is very like physiological yeah and I will say that like this book which is fun to read it is fun to read as a grown up woman right I know that you don't like the taste of dark wine um (laughs) tasted like deep purple or whatever (laughs) i don't like that shit i know one of the things that i do want to mention about the sex in this book that i noticed immediately and i think this says a lot about how i've been acculturated as a person who participates in sex but also like has thoughts about sex where it's like they have several sex acts and there's no reciprocity it's all about her pleasure and there were like three of them and i'm like this is a lot of orgasms for her and not for him and then i like <laughs> immediately was like oh shit what the f- fuck are you thinking that for like yeah. guys always get orgasms yeah. and I had this moment with myself where I was reading this book and I was like super turned on and then I had this like this doesn't feel equal and I'm like it's never fucking equal Isabel <laughs> like, and so like maybe it's time to encounter a book that's so centered women's pleasure in this way Yeah, felt maybe not revolutionary because I think I've read books with this kind but like the sex scenes were so explicit and they really happened very close together in the text that it became noticeable to me and then the fact that I noticed was noticeable to me. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, now I'm going to have to think about that for me. I didn't notice that. I really enjoyed the sex scenes. They were like right up my alley. I don't like stuff that's metaphorical. I like this kind of specific physiological description. This very adult approach and a very honest approach. And I think that it kind of gets you out of your own head to a certain extent. Really demonstrates that Talia Hibbert is very good at writing sex scenes. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I find whenever there's that metaphorical stuff going on, it's because the writer isn't terribly confident about mm-hmm. writing sex. Or at least that's how it comes across. And it makes me have anxiety about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's a bummer. But this is like, the sex scenes are very confidently written. Mm-hmm. Very good sex scenes, I think. But, okay, so this is a problem I have with the main character is Chloe what I realized. Chloe. Okay. In that I really was more interested in the parts of the book from Red's perspective and I couldn't figure out why. I don't know if it's purple prose so much as the fact that Chloe thinks and approaches the world with a lot of like very twee language. I'm sure that word's just stuck in my head now. But what's uh, another way of describing purple prose for listeners who maybe are not familiar with that term? Oh, what's purple prose? Mm-hmm. Purple prose is very kind of over described, over the top. We'll give you an example. An example is helpful, right? Okay, here we go. After fiddling for as long as possible, she put on her big girl knickers and reached out for the hand awaiting her. It was the third time she had ever touched Redford Morgan. She knew because the first time, their first handshake, had sent a thousand tingling darts shooting up her right arm, darts that had dissolved into a strange, pleasurable sensation that was not unlike a muscle relaxant, and she had not approved. The second time, when they had bumped into each other a few days ago, had only reinforced her decision to avoid all physical contact with this man. Yet here
Here she was, feeling his calloused palm in hers, this time not for a handshake, but a, she reluctantly admitted to herself, rescue. So it's just like a lot of adjectives, a lot of adverbs, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It's very cutesy. And this particular one comes across as cutesy. Lots of people like that. Lots of people identify with that. Lots of people enjoy speaking and thinking in that way. I do not. And so I got annoyed with Chloe. (laughs) I was like, it was all just a bit too cutesy for me. But it is like a really strong character building, really clear voice. You know, it's just I didn't particularly like that kind of character personally. One of the things that that work is doing is like Chloe's interiority is supposed to be met in deep contrast with her exteriority, like how society and people view her as this cold fish snob. And so the fact that she has this like incredible interiority is, yeah, like we know something and by extension in the novel, Red can sense and then know something about Chloe that like the rest of the world doesn't have access to. And like, I see that work and the fact that I saw the work is part of the problem. I was just gonna say maybe like the reason she doesn't work for me, like I don't see that duality is like an innate American where like if I see someone who's constantly wearing big poofy floral skirts and cardigans this is exactly what I think they sound like yes like this is exactly how I expect them to talk and think and with an English accent I know oh absolutely I know. like there's only one way that this person makes sense to me and it's what is presented in Chloe Brown but I think you know this is a very English book yes it is I appreciate the fact that it doesn't take place in London but I can't really appreciate the fact <laughs> Because I don't have enough, like, reference or background. And I don't have enough, like, nuanced understanding of, like, the culture, to be perfectly honest. Like, if I see an American woman dressing that way with big glasses, Mm -hmm. that's exactly how I expect them to think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Is that American? That's probably just me. Can I speak for all Americans? No. Whether or not that's just American. I don't think it is. I think Twee has, like, a real move. I would... Culturally, they, they're more twee, so you can be more nuanced as a person. Right. If because you're twee. Like, like were, that's kind of the baseline. Right, because, like, parts of this where I'm like, this feels like the female version of Hugh Grant from a very specific moment yes. in the 90s. over-talking. Yes, and, like, yeah, it's, like, and, like, the shirt that fits really well and the pants that fit really well, but also this, like, oh, and Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, and that's kind of the point at which I'm thinking. I'm not thinking like Wes Anderson, who I think is like stylized and aesthetic more than... Right, and I'm not even thinking of like Dom Hill Gleason, which I think is an inheritor of that kind of twee. Oh, he's not twee. Have you seen About Time? That's About Time. That's not every performance he gives. Sure. That's not every sure. performance he gives. Of is. course. Whereas like Hugh Grant, early 90s, he himself has come out and said, I did the same thing over and over and over and over. One trick pony that made him lots of money. But you know what I mean? It's like that bumbling good person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like always flustered. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like her. I liked Red. I liked Red fine. I liked being in his interiority more. I totally understood his motivations, his choices. His I did too. personal growth journey. I liked that he was sexually attracted to a fat woman without making it about her being fat. Loved that. I liked his relationship with his mom that was 
strained but not difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way of describing it. It felt like a really adult appropriate relationship for a grown man to have with his mom. Mm-hmm. You know I have strong feelings about the kinds of relationships adults should have with their parents. I do know that. Our <laughs> listeners know that too. <laughs> and that's the thing where it's like whenever I like the hero more than the heroine I always sense something a little off kilter. Like Chloe's not unlikable. She's not written to be unlikable. Like the thing that makes Chloe like closed off or whatever is that she's been hurt before because people left her after her fibromyalgia diagnosis and the fact that she gets tired and Mm -hmm. has this invisible disability. I do like her moving out on her own for the first time as kind of this reawakening Mm -hmm. and does create space for this grand experiment. I mean, like, it's a very clean way of setting up. She's going to have two friends who are her sister. She's going to spend time with her grandma. Like, everything felt earned and made sense in the book, which is, to be honest, a pretty great feat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because romance novels are about stuff that is almost, like, too perfect, almost too interesting. The problems are always too big. And this felt just big enough. Yeah, I think I was on board with how strong a romance novel this was until we come to the final crisis. And then I was like, mm, off the tracks. I agree completely. Okay, good. Because I was so disinterested in reading the final movement once oh the my God. problem came. Oh, God. I was like, it was just like one too many. It wasn't even just one too many. It was just like, for such a, like, what I would consider, like, this author had such excellent control over all of the elements. It was like, it was taught. Yeah. And then we get to this final crisis and then like everything unspooled and it unspooled so quickly in like a matter of three pages and then like everyone's reactions were so outsized in a book that was so rooted in reality that I was like, if you guys are really going to act like this, you shouldn't be together. Both of you need to be in therapy and like neither of you should spend time romantically until you get your shit figured out. And I think this is when I like I didn't notice like a disparity in the orgasm count but I did notice a disparity in the grand gesture count. Yes. And it was you know this huge problem is created to allow space for like a grand gesture finale. Mm. But she's had grand gesture on grand gesture on grand gesture performed for her by Mm -hmm. him. And you know, like, she doesn't take him to her family home. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even, like, tell her sisters about him. She keeps him a secret. Like, it felt really disproportionate in that way. Yeah. He just gave grand gesture after grand gesture. Everything she did, he was like, wow, you're such a badass. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I understand that she has a pain disability that makes it more difficult for her to do basic tasks. But his reaction and his support of her was so over the top. It was exhausting to watch yes, or read. Yes, it was. For me. I agree. And like there were moments where I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cute. And then like it, it turned really quickly. Like this is a thing that curdled. Yeah. It is like the last chapter. Because they have that massive fight where he gets really, really hurt and then like is screaming at her and it's doesn't like, give her any time to explain. Big falling apart, grand gesture, immediate shoring up. Yes. It's just the the rhythm like really stumbled there at the end for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're in the vein of weirdest part. What was the weirdest part for you? I mean, yeah, the last movement. If I had to pick a different one, I would say the treatment of the person who Smudge the cat belongs to. Mm-hmm. What's her name? Annie or? Yeah, Smudge's owner. It's Smudge's owner. And the fact that she's super flighty and immediately suspected by Chloe. And like the book also suspected her. It wasn't a moment of where it's like Chloe's past is informed 
forming this new relationship in this very particular way. Like it's painting with these colors. It was much more like, who is this other extremely twee woman who also loves this cat? It's like, we can't have another twee woman. Yeah. And then just gives her the cat because she has too many cats. Cats. I was like, this is not even your cat to give. They're your mother's cats. Yeah. So that was really... And also she's like a lingerie But we never hear anything. Like that didn't go anywhere. It's like she says that Chloe's wearing the wrong bra and then like they'll potentially go. But like... So I thought for sure the next book would be about her. It's not. It's not. It's about her sister, Danny. Right. And the fact that we didn't even have a scene of them like shopping for bras together or like a discussion of like how lingerie for women needs to be like made and constructed. I would have been so annoyed. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, I... No secret. No secret. I struggle. And I have strong feelings. I think it is. But I feel like that conversation about bras is so, like, Oprah 2009. Mm. I'm so sick of it. And it's like, look at us, girlfriend, empowering each other. By wearing correct bras. Yeah. I was annoyed by the fact that that was her job. Mm -hmm. And then I was even more annoyed somehow by the fact that it didn't go anywhere. There's just no fucking pleasing me. (laughs) But, like, why introduce a new character and then not do anything interesting with them other than set them up? her point there wasn't any other than to like take the cat away or i guess show that she could potentially have a friend that chloe was pushing herself now that she was in her new relationship i don't know but it didn't do a great job that's a really good one well let me dig deep try and find another one i can come up with more i actually had quite a few weird moments what were some other ones do you want to do like a rapid fire sure the fact that her sister eve is always misquoting things they're always correcting her and then eve is staunchly saying no i'm right i think maybe that's eve's form of whimsicality right it felt so forced though yeah and so then like that was weird i liked that the sisters showed up but also the grandma who's definitely the grandma in gigi like that's the thing it felt like i was in two competing musicals, one of which was Gigi, (laughs) and the other one was, like, West Side Story from, like, Coming from Red, like, some working-class tattooed, like, I'm gonna paint my way out. That reminds me of my other weirdest part. It was the class warfare Ah, that ultimately resolves with, like, Red needing to learn that wealthy people have feelings, too. (laughs) When you say it like that, it's like... (laughs) Like, that's, like, that's the big thing Red has to learn. It's true, I know. That's his prejudice. He is the one with a prejudice that he has to overcome. You know, based on the fact that his ex-girlfriend stabbed him with a fork. Which is, like, also, like, his girlfriend saying he was nothing without her. She's apparently very superficial and Instagram obsessed. First of all, dealing with people of a different social class, especially whenever you're punching up, they are assholes. They have so much unrecognized privilege. It's so exhausting. It's difficult to relate. They are blinded to your stuff. And it's not like because she has fibromyalgia, suddenly you guys are an equal playing field. Imagine if he broke his arm. Well, okay, they have the NHS there. Bad example. But like, she will never be homeless because of her ever of her disability she'll never go hungry and she didn't have to quit her job or leave it and then get another job to support herself yeah via the the alms of a good friend right right she never had to ask for a handout they have this weird conversation where she's like well guess what i have fibromyalgia and he's like whoa i just realized something that's not intersectionality no 
It's not how it works. And it also, like, the thing that fucking sucks is that he was the one who was like, gosh, I have all these prejudices and now they're finally lifted for me. Right. Because I fell in love with another rich woman. Right. And not independently wealthy. Yeah. That was the weirdest part for me. Don't love. Don't love. Sexiest part. I guess the first scene of Cunnilingus. I like the way that he talks about it. I liked the public sex scene. That was good. That was my sexiest part, which is, I think, their first encounter. Mm -hmm. But we don't get a lot of public sex in romance novels. We really don't. That's a missing move. Yeah, and it's a real fantasy Mm -hmm. because IRL... How do you beat the anxiety to have sex on a memorial in a park? (laughs) And so I love the way Talia gave just enough details to make me feel safe Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this scene. And just enough details to make it still feel delicious Mm -hmm. and, like, dirty. I really liked that. I mean, I can't speak highly enough about... I think things went off the rails in the end, but this is just a really well-structured, tight little book. Yeah. I get why it is so popular and why it is such a crossover hit. Yeah. And I will say, like, this is the thing that I also noticed about the other Talia Hibberts that I've read, where it's like, we have the cinnamon bun hero, the sex scenes are perfect, and that last act is just a real mess. (laughs) Yeah, it's a real balloon pop. But not like a big loud one that kind of feels exhilarating. Kind of just like you popped it and then you realize it was mostly out of air anyway. So now it's just like, it's deflating. Yeah. I guess we have a word for that. (laughs) It's deflating. deflating. I can't stop looking at this like childhood photo of you over your shoulder. Oh my God. You look like a Dutch portrait. That's the nicest thing that you could have said about that. Like John found it in a box marked keepsakes from 2006. And he was like, I can't. (laughs) that I didn't have this out and I'm like please burn it and he's like no it's going up and I'm like I feel like you're doing this for reasons I can't figure out but I don't want to interrogate that too much you're so tan I was very tan that summer it's because I was doing uh, crayfish field work for the Missouri Department of Conservation oh Mm -hmm. clearly didn't want my picture taken in that photo either Mm. we've had the conversation about spray tans before yes I think you would look great with a spray tan Thanks. They've come a long way. Okay. But I know that you have a... I have a real prejudice against folks spray who spray tan. I was a spray tanner. I was bullied by the spray tan set. It was incredible. It is almost like a magic trick wherein once I get a spray tan, I become hot. Interesting. Like in a very like the way. You know, like there's nothing... Like I'm not a whole person. I'm a collection of features and Hmm. one of them is tan. Hmm. And the fact that it like is now a collection of features makes me hot. Hmm. Hot girl summer. Mm. I actually want to show you. It is like a magic trick. It's weird. I think I will look completely different. I will look indiscernible. I find that hard to believe. I mean, I'm ready and willing, although I will say I think you look hot right now. Like this, this is denim a, on the, denim this and is, like It's a very different eyelashes. kind of attractive. It's a very different kind of attractive. Is this your intellectual attractive? I don't think it's an intellectual attractive. I feel like a whole, mm-hmm. like a part, like it's a whole, like it all comes together. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're always very put together, Morgan. No, no, it's not like that. I mean, like the the pieces, like you can't extract one feature from the other like all of them together make me nice to look at Mm -hmm. once I get a tan Mm -hmm. it's a list of things that make me nice to look at (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Do you understand? I mean, I'm I become, still having, I, like, I become a list of features rather than a whole person. So you become like the index rather than the book? Exactly. Whoa. Exactly. That's Yikes. exactly it. No, it's crazy. It works really well if you're trying to get a prom date, mm. something of that nature. Mm. Still never managed to really get a prom date, actually, now that I'm reflecting on it. Interesting. I did have a boyfriend. That doesn't count. Yeah, shit. Never mind. I'll get a spray tan and we can and we can evaluate. Okay. We can evaluate from there. I assume you're paying. Sure. You get the beer or the tequila, as the case may be. <laughs> You'll get the spray tan. Yep. Womance or nomance. That's actually tricky. Because I do feel like I would suggest this to some people if they were looking for something, but I didn't really get the the zip zap zip zow that a lot of people get from this book. People love this book. And so I'm wondering if I'm hesitating because of the hype and what it would have been like if I came to this book clean. It's a no man's for me. I think it was very clarifying when you took me to task to say that there's no such thing as a so-so man's because there's so much out there. Yeah. And it's clarifying to me because it's like, this book is really tight. There are a lot of really good things that I can say about it. I think it is incredibly sex positive. I think it takes consent as seriously as consent needs to be, but also never makes it a chore and is really good about not making it a chore for the characters. Yeah. I think for those reasons, it's very strong. I think the first third is incredibly strong, but like it really falls apart at the end. And like I've read books that are strong all the way through. What would you recommend for someone who liked this book and you're like, here's a real romance instead of this? That's actually a very good question because I don't read a ton of contemporary, which also yeah. makes this kind of difficult for me because like I think contemporary is actually harder and I'm less willing to forgive it because I live in a contemporary world rather than a regency or yeah. a different kind of historical yeah frankly i would say if you liked get a life chloe brown explicitly for the sex scenes you would probably also like a scarlet peckham yeah definitely and i can recommend those books because they don't fall apart in the last movement yeah but they are historicals right they're not contemporaries so then thinking of a contemporary that i really liked I've just read a spate of, like, not good contemporaries. Because, like, I would say, like, the Bromance Book Club was also very hyped, but, like, uh, it fell apart in the last act. I don't think Feminist Romance liked it either. Mm -mm. So this conversation, I'm thinking about the contemporaries that I've read, which Mm -hmm. our listeners will all be familiar with because I only read for this (laughs) podcast, as is my job Mm -hmm. as the neophyte. But this, for me, like, I liked... The Hating Game better. I did like The Hating Game better. But this romance novel, from public sex to cinnamon roll hero to the way that we have a fat heroine that it's not like a weird chubby chaser thing Mm -hmm. to a heroine with a disability. Like, this scratches a lot of itches Mm -hmm. and is, for the most part, a good book. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a romance for me. Okay, I've thought about it harder, and I went through my actual library, and I was like, Duke by Default by Alyssa Cole, I would recommend over this, and I would also recommend Sylvia Day's Crossfire in terms of public sex over this. Okay, I haven't read either of those. So it's going to be a womance for me, a no-mance for Isabeau, a split vote, a split split decision, although I will say, I usually don't think this hard and land at a womance. So see how I feel in two weeks, I don't know. Oh, can we revise now? 
I mean, Romance forever. Actually, that's a good boner episode. <laughs> that is actually that's very a really good. good. That's we'll a good do a, we'll do a boner where we revisit some of our choices. That's a good idea. With that, loosen your stays, but never your principles. Mwah. Whoa, golly gee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Womance. Womance is hosted by Isabeau. That's me. And Morgan, that's me. Production is by Nick Gravelin. Our webmistress is the incomparable Jane Bonzak. And our illustration and logo were created by Mary Reichman. They're the best. If you'd like to follow, creep, or connect with us on our social media platforms, you can find us at mans underscore woe on Twitter, womance on Instagram, or email at womancemail at gmail.com. You can also hang out on our amazing website at womancepodcast.com. You can support us by using our code to visit our sponsors or go to our Patreon where we are Womance. Womance is officially part of the Frog podcast network discover more podcasts just like our own centering on romance and reading at frolic.media slash podcast until next week Mwah.